to Dead in Goal, uh, the companion rugby league podcast to Inside Sport magazine. Uh, this week's guest is former Canberra player Alan Tung, um, who has been an instrumental member of the NRL's community team for a number of years now, um, with a particular focus on delivering the Voice Against Violence campaign across the country and the Pacific. Uh, um, we're thrilled he was able to spare some time for a chat um, about his great work for the NRL and about his great career for the Canberra Raiders, of course. So here he is, Alan Tung. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk more about the Voice Against Violence program and the work we do at the NRL. Yes, yeah, sweet. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah, and, and, and it's fair to say that you do a bit of travelling with that role. Um, and you've just landed back from Queensland. Mate, uh, what were you doing for the last couple of days? Yeah, I've been up uh, in and around the Redcliffe region working with the Redcliffe Dolphins juniors in particular. We worked with their uh, 15s, 16s, 18s and under 20s uh, sides on, on um, yeah throughout this week. Uh, and we've been delivering our Voice Against Violence uh, workshops. So our, our program is designed around educating and raising awareness on the prevention of domestic violence. And we work with that age bracket because we really believe it's um, an important age where the young men are going into to probably their first serious relationship but it's also an important age bracket for us because they're transitioning from a junior rugby league to their seniors and, and we believe that that provides a, an important understanding of what you need to do on the field but also the example that you need to set off it. Oh, great answer. Um, yeah, and, and so when you're working out your itinerary and your program and, 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 and target people and, and all that sort of thing, you know, of, of where to go and, and who to talk to, like how, how do you arrive at that? I imagine that, that there's lots of planning involved in, in that sort of strategy. Yeah, there is. We, we, there's a couple of factors that play into it. We have some expert partners in uh, our watch white ribbon and full stop foundation and there are some areas that um, we see statistically are affected greater than others and so we put that as a priority area if we've got junior football clubs and we can have that conversation in those communities but also there are a number of clubs that reach out to us um, which is important that, that they feel that you know they really want to be involved in the program and, and we support those football clubs too so um, we know the uh, the importance of rugby league in those Queensland areas in particular in around Redcliffe and we were fortunate that we did a, a workshop with all of the education and wellbeing staff right across um, all of game and there was a number of uh, wellbeing officers that you know just said you know we would love to have this program in our community so uh, we've been doing a number of those we're up to around 50 odd workshops that we've done so far this year we had a target of 40 um, and mm. at the halfway point of the year we've done 50 so we've really been um, you know working really really hard to get our message out there and, and it's around standing up speaking out and taking action to prevent this violence oh great and and so what does a typical like workshop consist of like in modern technical terms like what what sort of content do you do you deliver to the participants yeah, well, as, as I mentioned, uh, around the prevention of violence, we're a primary prevention program, and, and we look at some of the drivers of this violence and ways that, as young men uh, and as football clubs, we can um, look at those driving um, uh, natures of this violence and the ways that we can uh, do to play a role in preventing it. And we, we go down on a typical training night to uh, to deliver the workshop. We go to the footy clubs. It's often delivered in their clubhouse or in their dressing sheds, wherever it is. 
Um, and there's two elements to the program. The first is that we deliver the key messages outside in doing rugby league drills and, and often drills that I did as a rugby league player at the Raiders. So we, we use those drills to help connect and um, you know, raise conversation. And then we go back inside and we've got a follow-up workshop that we do indoors and we reflect on a lot of what we did outside um, but we go a little bit more in depth into what domestic violence is uh, the different forms of abuse um, some of those driving factors why it can happen but most importantly what are some actions and what are some things that we can do as individuals to prevent this going forward um, so there's a couple of important um, uh, aspects that I've learned throughout uh, some of my time working in this space and why it's so important that we do it in that order is in um, you know doing rugby league to start off is that I've found that often uh, a lot of the times it's hard for men to speak about this topic mm. and so using the common link and the common voice of rugby league has been um, it's been mind-blowing for me to tell you the truth I've worked in a lot of communities, a lot of remote communities, I've worked in other countries, and I've never had a problem talking about this topic when I've been able to use the common language of rugby league. And so getting them outdoors and doing that activity, getting them to feel comfortable, but then opening up those communication pathways through the common link of sport has been really, really important. And then that gives us a platform to build on that and then go back indoors and say, okay, well, what were some of the key messages that you took away from outdoor workshop there and and a lot of those common messages we find uh, that you learn through sport are common messages that you need uh, in relationships and you need in life in general when we talk about the honesty and the teamwork and the hard work and the unselfishness that you need and the care and respect and trust that you need in your teammates and a lot of these are key messages um, that you need in our game and the exact same messages that we need in our um, society. Oh, it's, it's great listening to this. It's, it's terrific. And um, so you've done you've done that. You, you've uh, visited the club or the or the you know individual team and, and, and things like that. And so uh, how do you how do you track the progress? Like, is there any follow up and update work and, and that sort of thing? Yeah. So what we've done is we've we have a number of sort of key dates that we follow up with the club post workshop, which is really important for us. And they have an opportunity, and it's it's great to see now that. Um, you know, after being running the program for three years or a bit more now, that you know a lot of clubs are wanting a follow-up workshop, and we're coming back and revisiting the clubs down the track. Um, but it, the the key part to the workshop at the end of it is they come up with three actions um, that they want to to do moving forward, and we need to support them with those actions. Now, some um, might be, and you know, a couple of the drills that we do do is about leading by example, and if we lead by example, we can create you know this this great culture and change to follow that. And so, a lot of them will say that we want to be role models within our clubs, and and so a key part to us is to going back to the coaches and the administration at their staff and saying, well, you know, ha- have we seen that? What have been some of the limiting factors, and what can we do to help you know continue to promote that? Or if they have been doing it, you know. That's fantastic, but some might be hosting a, um, you know, a domestic violence awareness round, um, which has been really good. We did 
um, a couple of workshops with the Campbelltown um, League's uh, Rugby League Club and, and all of a sudden their whole um, organisation, all of the Campbelltown Junior Rugby League, they all came together and all their administration staff did it but it was only a couple of weeks later they said well let's do a domestic violence awareness round and they held one you know, huge round across all of their competition so it's following up those actions and, and keeping in contact with them and sending them some support services but also linking them in with their local services that can continue to do more education workshops. Uh, we know that we haven't got all the answers, um, but one of the great things about rugby league is, is you know, we, we work as a part of a team and we can connect people, um, and so we connect them in with their local service providers to do more education or whatever it is that they need to do to continue that message going forward. Yeah, I was just listening to you just then. Now that's that's awesomely progressive, isn't it? Like you're talking about regional and district leagues hosting domestic violence um, awareness rounds. That's just so good to hear, isn't it? Like, that's yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, it is great. And, um, you know, once again, it just shows the, the power of sport and what yeah. it can do. And, you know, I think when we even look at our own expert partners and, and the communities that we work in, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the time they are going for a lot of the same funding, these organisations hmm. uh, or whatnot. But We've been able to connect them, and, and everybody's got that common purpose is to prevent this stuff going forward. Um, so we've been able to, as a game, bring them all together. Our focus, yes, is to deliver these workshops, but you know, a little side benefit has been the ability to bring a lot of people together and unite them and all work together for this common purpose. And we, we know that how important that is in the game of rugby league. To win a game, we all need to come together, and it's all different parts of a club to make things all come together to you know, lift that trophy at the end of the year. But... You know, to, we believe it's the same mentality that you need to prevent this. It needs to be a whole of community approach. Football clubs are a section of your society and your community, and we want to play our role there. But we know it's greater than that, and that's why we've developed up resources that we can do in the schools, also in the primary schools, and in our football clubs when we go in the community. Yeah, no, terrific. And um, I was just thinking just then, do you know um, what it is about uh, using sport? and uh, and um you know addressing young males that works like we, we know it does work but have you like often wondered what why why sport like why isn't it something else and young men like it's, it's just it's inter interesting isn't it yeah well i think i think sport is just ingrained in the fabric of australians yeah. uh, no matter what we we do we always seem to be at a where if you're in a function or whatever it is that you're at you somehow a, a conversation around sport and um you know in particular rugby league it seems to come through so it's a part of our our dna almost in in our country which is something that unites us all so i think that that is one thing but you know in my work and i do mentoring programs and whatnot as well in and around and i've always seen that kids learn best by doing you know you, we can we can write things down on a bit of paper we can um, you know hear stories and different things but when you give kids an experience when they're part of something and this is the, the movement element to our workshop when they get an opportunity to jump into a group of four and then to hold them there and then get them to think of four women that they've got in their own life and put a face to that name and have an experience like that and then tell them the statistics of one in four women are going to be victims of physical violence from an intimate partner mm. 
it creates a whole new aspect of learning rather than just seeing it on a PowerPoint or seeing it on a screen or having a number flash up in front of them. Uh, you know, that kinesthetic way of learning, learning by having an experience and doing and feeling and creating that has been something that um, uh, it's been great to see the participants' engagement levels um, but the knowledge that they've been able to retain from those activities and that movement. So, like, how did you... Um, into this sort of sphere. I know that there's a rugby league connection, but but why why this sort of sphere? Like, are you drawn yeah. to it somehow? Or, yeah. Well, this is, <laughs> we could spend hours on on all of this, but in <laughs> essence, um, in essence, I got asked with my church that I attend to go to a um, juvenile justice centre to share my story uh, when I first retired. And when I went in there, out of the 25 kids that were at the centre at the time, two of them turned up. And when I was leaving the centre. Um, one of the, uh, the the workers there said, you know what, if you had a broader footy in, you would have had every one of these kids here tonight because of the way that I told my story and it was through sport. Mm. And I told him, I said, well, I'll be back. And I turned back up and I brought some footies in with me and I was just sharing life messages um, through, through rugby league. And they were just like, mate, you need to put something together. These kids were just absorbed in that. And so I put together a six-week mentoring program that was delivered, and it was just through sport and movement. And then everything has evolved out of that because I've just seen that connection and the way that kids kids absorb that message. And it was wonderful. Just this morning, I dropped a couple of my um, kids off to uh, Athletics Carnival, um, District 1, and, and um, I've worked with uh, three primary schools that were all attending that, and the kids just coming back up to you and high-fiving you and seeing you and, and talking about the activities, and when are we going to do some footy again, sir, and, you know, these different things, but it was all that connection through sport is basically sharing those messages, and I've just seen the power of, of sport and in particular rugby league has been able to unite and excite and expire, inspire the next generation and that's what's so, uh, it's amazed me it's not something that I've done you know, a doctorate or I've done any you know, flash education around mm. I, I've just learned it by seeing it in action oh, Really, really terrific um, and so can I ask you, I mean you were, uh, I just wanted to talk about your, your own personal rugby league journey, um you were one of those kids uh, one day. Like, wh- where did footy start for you? Like, what are your, what are your earliest footy memories and that sort of thing? Yeah, I grew up in a small rural community just outside of Tamworth in a place called Loombra um, and have very fond memories of growing up on the farm there but playing with the local kids and um, played for a club called the Peel Valley Juniors, which is now, they call it the Cowboy, uh, the Dungeon Cowboys, but it was an area of all sort of these country kids and we used to all come together and get carloaded in and um, into play footy on the weekend and just those memories of playing with other country kids and just going in there and playing with my brothers as well and um, I had the rugby league bug, bug from when I was a young, young kid. Um, I played because my older brother played. He was a couple of years above me and watching him and just wanted to play. And um, I just had a footy in my hand everywhere I went. And even now when I present, I have a rugby league ball in my hand because for some reason I just I feel at home. I feel comfortable. And when I've got a footy in my hand, it, I just go back to you know, my childhood and everything that was instilled in me from rugby league. And um, I just continued that passion and, and was fortunate to make a few sides, um, representative sides throughout my high schooling um, years. And then at the end of school, um, I had a 
choices to go to a couple of clubs and I was with the Broncos um, on scholarship through year 10, 11, 12 and I come down to, to visit the Raiders who had shown some interest and it was just a big country town and, mm. and I grew up in a small little rural community and I'd been and I'd had a look at a couple of the other clubs and Canberra was just a big country town and I, I just remember coming home with my dad and um, I just said, I think this is the place. I think this is what it was for me. And, um, you know, came down at the end of school and, and battled away. And, I, I, you know, to be really, really honest, and um, the people that have seen me play, I wasn't the most skillful player in the world. Um, and I wasn't the fastest and everything like that. But I just had this passion and the determination to, you know, really come down and, and work as hard as I could. And I applied that and, and I was really fortunate to have 12 years um you know, with the Raiders and, and something that I'd really, really treasure. Yeah, no, awesome. And what, what, what do you remember about breaking into the Raiders' first grade setup? Like, because so, that was in 2000. Like, was some of the magic still in the air from, from those great sides that only really played five years earlier, didn't they? Like, what, what was your impressions of, of the Raiders yeah. back then? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, you know, coming down and I played that first year in the under-19s in reserve grade and, um, you know, really had a big pre-season the, the end of 99 and into the 2000 and started off in the reserve grade side and uh, was only early in early on in the season. There was a couple of injuries and, um, yeah, Mal asked me to, um, you know, come along to a game in Brisbane. We were travelling from Newcastle to Brisbane. I was working as an apprentice mechanic at the time, so I had to ring into the work and say, I'm not coming in for the whole week. My boss was furious. And um, we went up there and um, I got an opportunity just out of that to uh, to come off the bench and we played the Broncos on a Friday night against the Talos, Walters, Langers, and I was playing alongside Laurie Daly and Dave Ferner, Brett Mullins, Jason Croker, Luke DeVico, you know, it was just... Um, big room weeping, like it was just it was just phenomenal. I couldn't believe it. And then to, yeah, I played twenty two games in my first year. We came fourth. We were close to you know beaten by the Roosters, who went on to play the Broncos in the final. But it was just an amazing experience. Um, I remember you know doing preseason training. We're doing the you know the laps around the outside of the oval, and I was running alongside Laurie Daly in the one kilometre you know the runs around the outside. I just was blown away but I couldn't believe it and just um, I just made the most of it I absolutely did and it wasn't just that first year I made the most of every every year that I was at the club because I just knew from young young age um, you know that passion for rugby league and I was getting to live that out and that was my childhood dream and I got to do it and I just uh, I absolutely loved and embraced every second of it yeah and, and everybody knows that you were full of passion like there are lots of variables in life that you can't see hey but but passion is one that you can't fake and, and you were and, and and you can tell that that's what kept you going and and in the end like Canberra really needed you across all those years didn't they like because you were like the glued like like, like that bedrock of of, of what we're about and, and let's go from there like that, yeah. yeah it was terrific to watch well, yeah. yeah well I appreciate that but I know that I went through a stage and you know my whole whole determination when I played was you know to, to be able to lift that trophy at the end of the year and I didn't get to do that mm. um, but I was at the Raiders at a time where um, you know after that 2000 season we Laurie Daly, Brett Ferner, uh, um, Brett Mullins, David Ferner, they, they all moved on from the club and that was a big transition for us. They were they were a big part of the club through all of those years, as you know, and then a few years later we lost, you know, Simon Wolford and Luke DeVico and Jason Croker, Adam Mulclinch, Sikoski, Jason Smith. We had a huge amount of um, experience leave and 
there was a, a lot of rebuilding in my time, and and um, that was the part that I had to play in the in the club. And um, you know, we just had to to do it as best we could. We had a few you know issues off the field as well that we had to deal with, and um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of uh, you know a few of the decisions. But if, you know, a lot of the years too, we we didn't have the greatest of rosters. Um, but I tell you what, we we did. We ripped in and we worked hard. And, and sometimes we didn't get the result, but. Um, you know, there was a lot of young men that were, you know, were really trying hard, and that's all you can ask uh, of yourself. But all, especially when I was captain of the side, that's all I ever asked of the players was to, to really rip in and work hard. And you know, if you did make a few mistakes, well, let's learn from it, and make sure that we make that next one, yeah, um, our best one. Yeah, no, and, and talking about uh, working hard, like you did plenty of that. And I was, I was doing some googling on you, and uh, according to Wikipedia, so it must be true. Uh, <laughs> in 2006, you apparently broke the record for tackles made, and you made 1,087 um, across the year. Like, has that record been broken since? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it has. I, I must admit, I haven't looked into it um, <laughs> too much. I'm pretty sure it has. But a lot of people, um, you know, might highlight that as well. But I, I try and put it all in the context was that that was my role in the side too. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, there's some really dynamic ball runners and different things like that. And I probably wasn't one of those guys and you know, what I needed to do for the side was to work hard and defensively really rip in and, and um get those numbers up um and so the other guys could do what they do and um, you know, that's that's it sort of yeah, it was nice to, to get that at the time, but at the end of the day that that was my role, so it's what I expected of myself. It's what the team expected of me, and it's it's not about patting yourself on your back. It's about you know what that's what you needed to do. So go out there and do it. Yeah, fair enough. It answered exactly how uh, you would answer something like that. <laughs> yeah, and um, the discussion. Oh, sorry, the uh, concussion discussion is back uh, front row and centre. And like as a headgear wearer, was that always a personal concern for you? Like, what was the main motivation uh, behind that? Yeah, not really. How it all came about, I wore a bit of headgear at the back end of school, but then I didn't play for the first few years with headgear. And I actually, um, I cut, I had a really bad cut on the bottom of my chin. Mm. And um, I got it, you know, we were only a few weeks into the season and it, and I almost, um, it kept slitting open almost every game. And I was for that guy that, you know, has the tape that's wrapped around like a mummy all around his head. <laughs> and uh, I had that and it kept slipping off and different things. And I wore headgear basically to hold that tape on. And then out of that, um, I just got comfortable in wearing it again and, and then continued to wear it. But, um, you know, like I am... I, um, I think it's a really important discussion that we need to continue to have around this concussion. But I'm also, I'm I'm sort of proud of the game of uh, where it is now. Like it's really come down the education, and I was only a part of that while I was up in Redcliffe. Not only doing the Voice Against Violence, but we were edu- doing education workshops to all of the under 15 schoolboys players that are trying to out for the Australian schoolboys up there. And we had a huge discussion and education session around concussion and and looking at it as if it is an injury like anything else that you do. You tear your calf, you have four to six weeks off, or you sprain your ankle, you break your arm, whatever it is, and really instilling in the players and the coaches and all of the staff and that concussion is no different. You know, when I came through, there was none of this talk. Um, And so now as a game and to see that the rules that we have within and the people that are on the sideline that are looking over everything, that there's a little bump or there's something like that, he's straight off the field. And, um, you know, maybe we should have come a little bit earlier, but at the end of the day, 
like what is in place now, I think you know is really really um, great for our players going forward. Yeah, yeah, you, you can tell that there's um, been progression made there. Hey, like yeah, oh, it's, it's different to how it was say 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's just yep. so much awareness and and um, and look from the outside looking in, you can tell that. Um, the, the NRL is making efforts and are doing a lot away from the field to, yep, to for sure. Yeah, um, and you're getting close to a decade retired um, um, from your days as a as an NRL player. Like, what what do you consider was the highlight of your playing career? Like, looking back on it all. Ah, uh, look, I think um, you know there were you know some highlights of of making your debut, and then my first game as captain was something that I was really proud of. Um, but I think you know just that that mateship and camaraderie that that I that's what I miss the most about being retired. Mm. And so I think you look at it and go, they were some of the most greatest memories because they are the things. And I, you know, just travelling to Redcliffe on the on the weekend, I got to work alongside Luke Williamson delivering some workshops. I played with um, Willow in the first couple of years that I was down here. I, I bumped in um, to Klinjevkoski, who's a player manager who I played you know a number of years alongside down here too and I was working at the Redcliffe Dolphins which Adam Mogg is the head coach who I played with Moggy um, you know while I was down here and you just uh, Ben Jones um, who's, who lives at Redcliffe played alongside him and uh, yeah, Tommy Leroy Lars who was coaching the under 15 indigenous side and not bumped into him and you know all of a sudden you know all of these players and these familiar faces you just keep coming back up and you just keep revisiting the old days and you know that was just that was out of a two three day trip sort of thing and um you know that's that's the best you know the highlight out of it all is those memories and yeah there's some memorable wins and all of this but at the end of the day our game is built on mateship and that was definitely the highlight out of it oh, that's terrific yeah i've talked to a lot of former players and a lot of you um say that so there must really be something there like yeah you can have all your all your wins and and, and you know glamour tries and that sort of thing but yeah it seems to be what you are all in it for and it's yeah, really absolutely really yeah and just finally before i let you go um where is the current raiders unit going do you think like are, are ricky and the boys still inside that premiership window opportunity thingies that everybody talks about you reckon yeah well, i think they're definitely heading in the right direction and in particular this year because of that i think that um the the attitude towards their defence has been something that's really highlighted to me. I think the game um, that they just played uh, against Parramatta was one that they'll look back and they'll be very very disappointed with a 16 nil lead. I'm pretty sure it was to get to get beat was something that they'll be yeah bitterly disappointed with. But uh, you know they're working hard for each other and and I do I think if they can stick together and um, over this next couple of years things can. You know, be very bright for them. So um, they, they're a side that continues to. You know, they know that one to seventeen, they all need to to really play well. Um, they can't have anybody off their game, otherwise they they can get found out. So, um, but the competition is just so close. It is just an amazing competition, and anybody on their day with the right mentality and attitude can win the game of footy. And um, we've seen with the Raiders, they've been doing that, and they've been doing that pretty consistently this year in particular. So. Um, um, I do, you know, believe that some good times are ahead for them. Yeah, and then do you drop in every now and then, um, in on training and and help out, so to speak? Yeah, I, not so much coaching sense. Um, 
but I definitely do, uh, you know, with the community department. We help out um, each other there. They, they're really grateful that they support uh, a bit of the work that I do in community, but I also support a lot of the great things that the Raiders do in the community. So it's um, it's great to still be around and involved with the club. So, Alan, I really appreciate your time um, talking to us uh, and, and really best of luck with your Voice Against Violence uh, program. It's... Um, it, it really is an important part of the rugby league, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's no doubt going to be get uh, bigger and bigger over the years as as um as it develops. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, for your interest, and uh, go the mighty Raiders. Mm-hmm.